You know, modern scholars don't like gospel passages like this one. Some even try to argue that passages like this were later additions to the Gospels. Why? Because they say that Jesus was too gentle and forgiving to say such harsh things. But in fact, Jesus did say these things. And he said them precisely because of his deep love for us. Christ knows that the battle between good and evil will continue throughout human history. But he also knows that this ongoing battle will provide the opportunity for his grace to spread throughout the world. And once that expansion, brothers and sisters, has reached its fulfillment, he will come again to establish the definitive victory of his kingdom. These are facts, key elements of God's plan for our lives. You know, we profess our belief in these truths every Sunday when we say he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Since this is the way things are, it would have been heartless, would have been cruel for Jesus not to tell us about it, right? <clears throat> Telling us about it gives us a chance to organize our lives accordingly, to build our lives on the everlasting rock of Christ our Savior. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus doesn't speak about these events in order to scare us, to alarm us, but in order to motivate us. It's so easy to fall into a purely natural outlook on life, you know, getting so wrapped up in our daily to-do lists that we forget the big picture and we neglect our friendship with Jesus Christ. Jesus knows that nothing could be worse for our happiness, and that is what interests him the most. Even his predictions of the end of the world, then, are a reminder of his love for us. The truth of our faith is like um, a compass, a spiritual compass. It can give us direction at every decision point along our life's path because it reminds us of where we are going. Here's a story for you. One of our great saints, the saints of our faith, Saint Methodius, used this teaching about the end times in a creative way to help explain the gospel to the pagan king of Bulgaria. So the story goes that the king had heard that Methodius was a master painter. So he invited him to come and paint the walls of one of his rooms in the royal palace. The king was fond of hunting and thought a nice hunting scene would be just right. 
and Methodius set to work. The curious king came to inspect his progress, but the painter begged him to wait until he was completely finished. At last, the painting was done, and the king entered to inspect it. He was stupefied. Instead of a serene hunting party gallivanting through the woods, he saw a large-scale picture of the Last Judgment. The Last Judgment, designed as the hunt for salvation. So on one side were those who had died in friendship with Christ, being welcomed into heaven by angels. And the other side were those who had rejected Christ's friendship in this life. They were rushing around in terror, being pursued, loaded with chains when they were caught. The king was deeply impressed by the powerful images and wanted it all explained. So St. Methodius told him about the whole history of salvation from original sin to the redemption in Jesus Christ and the very end, the end of time and the second coming. The king listened intently and then asked to be baptized. The light of Christian truth had given him new hope and direction. He had found true north. Jesus will come again in the end of history to judge the living and the dead. And he wants us to know that so we can live our lives in the light of truth. But the fact of his second coming doesn't keep him, keep him from being involved in our lives right now, in the present. Today's responsorial psalm reminds us of the present tense of God's love. I set the Lord ever before me. With him at my right hand, I shall not be disturbed. The mere fact that we are gathered here today is proof that he is active in our lives. He wants us to grow in wisdom, in joy, and courage every single day, not just on the last day, when he comes back again. That's why he established the church and has given us his sacraments. And there is a connection, brothers and sisters, between his future definitive coming and all the little ways in which he wants to come into our lives in the meantime. You know, whenever Jesus reaches out to us, inviting us to follow him more closely, to be more faithful disciples, it involves some kind of, some kind of destruction, some kind of loss. And at the end of history, his second coming will involve the destruction of the world as we know it, so as to make way for the new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. In the midst of history, we have to be willing to allow his grace to 
well, to destroy our self-centered tendencies in order to make way for the newness of life in Jesus Christ. With the help of his grace, we have to turn away from anger, from greed, from laziness, living behind those old comfortable habits, letting them be destroyed by the flow of God's redeeming grace. The Lord promises that if we do, we will not regret it because we will shine brightly like the splendor of the stars, as the first reading reminds us. Today, let's take him up on that promise. Let's take him up on that promise.